Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March. And ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Welcome to the Hardwood Handicappers Podcast. They're a bunch of guys who ain't never played the game, and they never got the girls in high school, and they just <laughs> want to get in the game. With your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. See, the thing is, you guys look at me, you see the backwards hat, the uh, gray socks, the funky outfit, and you say, now this guy's a chump, am I right? No. I'm I'm geek. Only on the VSIN Podcast Network. All right, Friday edition, Hardwood Handicappers. Uh, we're going to bring in a big star here to... To wrap up the week, Mitch Moss, follow the money, fame, and fortune, of course, is nice enough to give us some time on this pod. What's up, buddy? How are you? I'm good. You sound enthused. Uh, you were probably up, you know, you probably, it's probably around nap time, I would assume. So I appreciate you giving me some time. Um, I will, I'm going to start with Giannis because you and I were texting a little bit about this yesterday. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo yesterday does it again. I like this guy, watching him more and more. I was telling Matt the other day on our show. You know, like, you don't – I try to watch every as many games as possible. You're not going to watch every single one. So you go, like, a, maybe a couple of games without watching Giannis, and every time you check back in and you watch, like, a full game of the Bucks, and you realize, like, oh, yeah, like, this guy's, like, really freaking good. And then sure enough, last night, 44 points, 14 to 21 from the floor. The lone three-pointer that he hits is a step-back three in the face of Andre Drummond to tie the game and force overtime. Uh, I Like, hardcore gambling stuff aside, like – I don't even know. Like, like I'm kind of stumbling through this. You tweeted it yesterday. I don't even know what to say about this guy anymore. No, I, at this point, honestly, as just you know, as as a fan of the league, I mean, like every superlative has been said about this guy, right? And you know, the thing is, like, Joker is the favorite to win the MVP, probably rightfully so. But if you really factor in both sides of the court, is it like not his award to lose every single year just because he has such an impact defensively as well? 
Oh, I think hundred percent. It's, it's, it's along the same lines of like Shohei Otani, right? Like at some point, if Otani comes out again this year and does something similar where he hits 260, gives you like 35 home runs and pitches, you know, over a hundred innings and gives you like a 3.2, like how do you not give him the, the MVP almost every single year? Yeah. Right. So, it, I would, I thought 1000% agree. And I said this today on our show, I really never want to hear the phrase voter fatigue ever again, if the dude deserves it. And that, by the way, that goes for Joker and freak. So like, Nicola has one. It was last year, and they didn't want to give it to him last year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but if he deserves it this year, they give him the damn MVP. And the same thing was with with uh, Giannis. Like if he if he needs to win it three out of four years, they give him the award. And now, if you go back in history, you certainly could have said that about Jordan. You could have said it about Kobe, who, by the way, won one MVP in twenty years, which seems yep. impossible to me. And you probably could have said it about LeBron almost every single year for how long? A decade. Yep. No, you're right. It, it, that's the one thing. Voters irritate me overall, just because like you do know, like the latest straw poll. Uh, the the one thing that stuck out to me the most not not the fact that Jokic had as many first place votes that he did or that he surpassed yeah. Embiid. It was the uh, the clowns who decided the three of them that put him fifth on their ballot. <laughs> like what the what are you watching? Like, it, it, those those are the types of voters that I think like you should you should be nowhere near. Being like the fact that you are somebody that Tim Bontemps called up to be part of this poll, no idea who those three are. But like I, I said this the other, if you don't want them first, that's fine. You don't want them second, that's fine. But like to have four other guys in front of a dude like Jokic, I mean, it's laughable. And but these are the people that are voting for these awards, which leads us back to Giannis. Some of these, like I think Giannis has been incredible. But what, what's going to be interesting is is a guy who had nine first place votes on a straw poll just a couple of days ago, Mitch has back-to-back consecutive games where he's incredible, is that going to be enough where all of a sudden some of these sheep are going to look at this and go, yeah, he's going to jump both Embiid and and Jokic here and and steal this award? Like, I think what happened over the last two games for him is good for quite a few first-place votes, but is it enough to make up the, what was it, 53-vote first-place gap between him and Jokic? Yeah, see, and I I think that's going to be a problem for him. I I don't think he can overcome that. because how much recency bias really exists with the voters, maybe some. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think you and I were butting heads against this one last year, you know, and this was with the rookie of the year, Anthony Edwards and Lamella Ball. Well, Ball missed a bunch of games and we've learned that for a bunch of awards, that really doesn't mean anything. And I thought Ed- Edwards, the way he was playing down the stretch was did enough to steal it from him, but he didn't. And there, they did not have recency bias with him. I know Ball came back, I think eventually uh, late in the yep. season, whatever, but um, I thought Edwards had a great chance to steal it, and he did not. And that's the rookie of the year compared to the MVP. Um, there's also this, you know, ongoing narrative about what, so is he really going to play this well and not win the MVP nor the defensive player of the year? Yeah. I would say, like, if he doesn't win the MVP, like, I get it. Joker at this point probably deserves it. And I think MB could finish third, to be honest. That's right. Um, I texted Doug Kazarian the other day. It's funny yeah. you said that after watching the Philly game. I go, you know, Embiid, because two years ago, um, actually, was it last year? Points bet put up a runner-up MVP prop, right? Like who would finish right. runner-up? And I told, I was, I told Doug, I was like, I would really be interested to, to see what a market like that would be because over these last couple of games, including a head-to-head win over Embiid, in which he swatted him away for the win, uh-huh. uh, I would be really tempted to like to bet Giannis at a plus price to finish runner-up. No, oh, that'd be great. That may, and you know what, maybe points better, somebody like that will put it up again. But then it goes into like, and he's not going to win the defensive player of the year. Well, I, I think it's like two different conversations here. If he doesn't win the MVP, it doesn't mean he has to by default win the defensive player of the year. Somebody else can win the defensive player of the year. 
if they had a better year defensively, obviously. It's, does that make sense at all? I think No, I mean, of course it does. It's like you don't have to just like sit there and say, well, he's got to win something. No, he really doesn't. No, I mean, you're right. I, it just it, narratively, it just feels weird that we're watching this dude put the season together that he is, is just as dominant as he was when he was winning, winning MVPs. And we're going to walk away at season's end and he's not going to win anything. Like maybe not even a scoring title. Right. It just, it, I think it just feels weird, but I understand no, I where you're, you know what I mean? Like I understand yep. where you're coming from, but at the end of this season, right. If we walk away and we're like, yeah, MVP for Jokic and defensive player of the year for whoever Marcus smart. And then we're sitting back and going, yeah, he didn't even win the scoring title that season. It's just lost to history. You just had to be there to remember how great he was this year. Yeah. And you know what? He would trade all of that in, no doubt, if they could repeat, which now, oh, I mean, yeah. they're the, you know, shortest shot in the board to win the East. And I think that makes some sense. Oh, they are. They, they, so they have, cause we kind of, as we zoom out here and I told you really quickly before we move on from the award talk, I bet Giannis at 14 to one at to win defensive player of the year. I just, to me, that's the shot that I wanted to take on that market mainly because he's been pretty consistent all year long on that end of the floor. Uh, he's only played in 63 games, but it's much more than some of the other guys uh, that have been up for the, the, that have been the favorite at some point uh, in this market, including Bam Adebayo, who the team seems to have kind of uh, fallen away from Bam. So we'll see, but that award's going to be absolutely nuts. But to, to tell me you're getting 14 to one on one of the best defensive players in the NBA to yeah. win the best defensive player of the year award. I felt like that was worth a stab. And, you know, I think that number is still available too. Yeah. Uh, right around there. Um, not to get lost last night, but on that note, with the Bucks now being the favorites to win the East, I mean, did you notice what Holiday did to Kyrie in the final like four or five minutes in overtime? I mean, he didn't, he never really even got a look. He he vanished. He completely yep. took him off the court, and that's that takes somebody. I mean, to have Drew Holiday as like the second best, you know, defender on the team away from Giannis uh, is really something special, and just tells you how good this team is. Yeah, and, and when so I've been. Like all year long, if I've ever been asked, like, who's the best team in the East? I've always just kind of consistently been like, look, like you, you got to unseat Milwaukee, right? If, if you're going to dub a team the best in the East, it's going to be Milwaukee. I don't care. Like January, they limped through it. They clearly yeah. found out that they don't need to win 65, 70 games, right, to make it to the postseason. It doesn't matter. You just got to yeah. get in and you'll be perfectly fine. And they can still win the East, but they still win the top seed too, by the way, not really caring. Um, and the other part of this, because you, you kind of alluding to it there, they are one of actually, I think they're really the only team outside of maybe Phoenix that you can match up. And you got, I have, I have plenty of personnel to match up with your big two, right? Like I have Giannis to match up with KD on key defensive possessions, which they did down the stretch last night. And I have Drew Holiday that can sit there and just swarm Kyrie Irving and not let him do anything offensively or at least do a very good job on that end of the floor. And Chris Middleton, in his own right, is a really solid defender sure. that can keep up with some of the guys on a possession to possession basis, like a Seth Curry. I just, on top of them just being the best team, I think they just match up well with Brooklyn. I think it's why losing Harden kind of hurts to a certain extent because that was that third option that was maybe a wild card. But other than that, like I would agree, and you saw some of it last night, especially near the end of that, where they were just locking them down. And what were they up? They were up seven with two minutes left to go. Brooklyn yeah, it was one hundred and one, and the Bucks were like twelve to one to win. I actually I contemplated a bet. Usually in that situation, I'm like, nah, this game's over with. Um, Nets are going to be too good here down the stretch, and it was twelve to one. I was like, eh, this is not over yet. That I didn't bet it, but um, with that much time and the way that uh, Freak is was playing in that game, and I mean, you can't really anticipate him hitting a three like that, though. No. By the way, side note, uh, that was like some pretty sweet form that he had on that three. Oh yeah. I mean, that looked good. And then at the line last night, he hit, what, his first 11 free throws and to go 13 to 17 overall. I mean, if that – we all know this, right? Like, if if he can consistently knock down free throws in a three, he's just going to be the best oh. player of all time. 
it's over. It's, yeah, it's over. It's done. <laughs> like I, I, I tweeted that out yesterday. I was like, if he's hitting those shots, like it's the world's not ready. And, no, and we, I don't we, think we are. And, and the we thing talk. is like, we can't even appreciate what he does at his size, but he's not the only guy that we can say that. And you can say that about Durant, but we can't like on TV watching this guy, he takes like three steps from half court and he dunks it in the way that he's just, he's so long. He's a gazelle in midair flying by everybody. And he can jump from like, the free throw line is like a layup for him. It's just mm-hmm. like, I don't think we can process that with our eyeballs. No. And like, and to what I like most about him, and this is the cool part about following this league. And he like, I always enjoy guys who consistently get better, right. And improve their craft. Like one of the, one of my favorite things as a basketball fan in my, I guess, early years, he's kind of old now. He's not really, uh, but like watching Blake Griffin evolve into like a jump shooter, right. When yeah. he didn't have that, like that was really cool to watch that evolution take place and to watch Giannis, from like like insanely athletic but super skinny kid coming into the NBA to what he is now and the way he's changed his body, the way he's changed his game. And you're right, the shooting form is so much better on a year to year basis. And the free throws, right? He's got he's now a 73% free throw shooter. The other night against Philly, they probably shouldn't have done it, but they actually found him right when it was scrambling in the last few yeah. seconds to give him the ball. And yeah. he, you know, he missed one of the two free throws at the end of that game, but still to have the confidence that like, Hey man, this isn't an absolute nightmare. If he's got the ball in his hands late in this game, if he's at the free throw line and he did that again yesterday too, like, yeah, the improvement it's, it's incredible watching him. Yeah. And he's a, I mean, he's an animal and you can just tell that how competitive he is on the court. Like he is never, as long as he's healthy, he's never going to back down like this. I think he wants to win like 11 championships. Yep. You know I mean? He just wants to kill everybody out there on the court. And, and it goes back to the so funny thing about that, how we can't, if you notice on Durant, uh, his three, the game time or the game winning three attempt, he took it basically at the three-point line. He, when he like fell down and the shot missed, his head was like at half court. Like that's how big these guys are. And he didn't even like he didn't stumble backwards or anything like that. He shot and then like fell down and he's at half court. Like, can we do we know like what 6'11, 11 feet? I'm sorry, seven feet tall is with handles like this and shooting ability. It's the, the, the normal person. We just take it for granted about how special these guys are. I don't know what you're talking about. He would have uh, he would have getting mur- he would have murdered in the in the 1960s, Mitch, yeah. he would have no shot. Him and him and Giannis onto the coup. Was it uh, what old head the other day said that Giannis wouldn't come off of the bench when he was playing back in oh, the 70s? I heard that. Was yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, these dumb. I, I I don't want to curse. I don't want to curse on the podcast, but. Uh, All right, so we're we're talking about this. Uh, for, we're, Giannis is great, and I think it's a great way to open it because it kind of segues into. So the Eastern Conference, it's weird the the perception of the Eastern Conference. This is how I've taken it. I want to get your thoughts. There's been, I think, like this ebb and flow and perception of the conference. Right at one point, we're looking at the East, and you're like, wow, man, any one of like five teams could come out of this thing. Right? There's Brooklyn. There's it once they're fully healthy and realized, and Kyrie can play in home games. And that finally happened. And then there's Philly who just got James Harden. And then there's Miami who might have the best defensive starting five in the end or starting four. Cause you know, they hunt Duncan Robinson and Tyler hero whenever they're out there, uh, but they might have one of the best defensive lineups in the NBA. And then there's Boston, the way that they're playing. And now here on April 1st, I, I don't know how you feel, Mitch, but I look around the Eastern conference. And I'm like, well, Miami sucks in half court offense. Philadelphia is not a deep team in any way whatsoever. The non Embiid minutes have been an absolute nightmare for them yeah. since they were traded for James Harden. Um, Brooke or Boston, as we know, has that Robert Williams injury that they have to deal with, but they can still be pretty deadly. And Brooklyn can't stop a nosebleed. Like, kind of alluding to your point here, 
not only should Milwaukee be the favorite in the Eastern Conference, like I, I am finding it hard to make a case for anybody else at this point right now. Yeah, I know. I had that same thought um, looking at the standings and how these teams are uh, playing. But part of me is like, I can't remember the Eastern Conference being this good. So it's maybe wishful thinking right now, thinking that it's completely open and a bunch of teams that you said can still win it. But I got to tell you, like, I don't trust the 76ers. Um, great pieces, great team, question mark. I don't see them making a deep run. Uh, the same, they've been a great story and they've had so many damn injuries. But same thing with the Bulls. I mean, if the Bulls get even... Like, let's say that's the four or five matchup in the East and they get the Celtics. Even with no Robert Williams, I would anticipate that the Celtics would kind of take them apart in a series. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I still, I think the Nets, I know Reggie Miller was, you know, begging for this in the broadcast last night. If we did get a Bucks nets first round series, I, that's like just every two and a half hours for like every other night is just like set it aside. Don't, don't bother me. I'm watching this game. I'm going to live bet it. I want to be involved in player props. It would be just incredible. Like every time that they would play. I, I think so too, but I'm, I'll take you. This is what I think if that's, if that's, if we get that series, which I hope we do, because it'll be a bunch of games like last night, but I think they would ultimately end the same way. Do you remember that year? Was it LeBron's like second to last year, that first round matchup with Indiana where like every game was yeah. wild and insane and fun and great. And it went down to the wire and then they ended up sweeping them. Like it was yeah. just four wildly competitive games, but ultimately the Cavs won every single one. Like, I don't think the Bucs would sweep the nets, but I think that's still like with their inefficiencies on defense, I think that's like a, a super tight nail biting type of series, but we're going to look up and the Bucks are up three, one and they win in like six. Interesting. I just, I'm, I'm concerned that Durant could still go for like 40, you know, any given oh, yeah. with the team on his back. And that's how they can maybe take a couple, couple, you know, make it like a seven game series or whatever. Um, I also don't know if I want to play Toronto right away. Do you? Yes. No, you're, cause you're right. Cause their, their biggest thing has been health and they're finally healthy now. Like the only, the only notable dude on the injury report is Malachi Flynn. Uh, but now that they're fully healthy, what are they? They've won, uh, was it 11 out of 12 or something yeah. like that? Uh, and they're covering those games. And I got to like out of all these coaches, because we forget how, you know, there's I have this one guy that always tweets me like, you're an idiot. You think coaches actually impact these NBA games? Um, Nick Nurse and what he'll roll out from a game plan standpoint defensively on a night to night basis. Uh, he's going to they're going to be a pain to deal with because they're long. They're super athletic. They run. They shoot. Yep. That's going to be like pulling teeth. Anybody who runs into them. Yep. Totally agree with that. Um, so I, I see what you're saying. I also don't want to write off the heat, though, either. Um, I know you're saying about the half court. I just think that they have so many parts. Now I do, you know, they, they uh, right after that Spolstra Butler incident, that's when that losing streak kind of took place. Mm-hmm. That, that's going to be a dangerous team too. I don't, again, like who, who are they going to match up against is a, you know, a key, but uh, that's a team I probably don't want to see in the first round either. Yeah. And I don't mean to dispel any of that. I just, like every single one of these series are going to be extremely competitive. They're fun. And there's, you know, there's, there's matchups that would benefit one team or another, like, like any other postseason. I just like when you're simulating this a thousand times, right. Or a hundred times, because math is easier there. How many times are the Milwaukee bucks winning the Eastern conference? Cause I would think that, you know, given actual probabilities, injuries, whatnot, I'd say they're probably winning it over a third of the time at this point. Yeah, probably. And, you know, another thing too, that you got to take into consideration is who's going to be the best player on the court every single night. And mm-hmm. in a, a buck series, I mean, I don't, I don't care who they're playing. The answer is Giannis. He's yep. the best player on the court, no matter who the opponent is. 
Yes, and because people would say KD, but what he what he provides defensively gives him yes. the edge over Kevin Durant. Yeah. Absolutely. By the way, for those who are wondering, a, a three, 33% would be about a plus 203 on the money line, which is right around where they're at to right win the Eastern Conference. So falls right in line with where the market's at here. So as this kind of unfolds, I wanted to touch on this too because we brought this up just for our audience because I've been updating this as this has gone along. Uh, Philadelphia, because we haven't really – we mentioned them in passing, and I think we're in agreement here. Uh, they're not that much of a threat, I think, this year. Depends on what they do in the offseason and adding to depth. But when Joel Embiid is off the court and James Harden is on the court, they are outscored by 4.3 points every 100 possessions. They have a defensive rating of 123.3. Like, they're oh, just – they are so bad defensively. And if you go back to the other night, Mitch, like Doc Rivers, again, I just don't understand what he does sometimes. When Giannis goes on that 15 nothing run by himself yep. at the end of the third quarter, you know who's off the floor? James Harden and Joel Embiid. Yep. You got Paul Millsap running around out there at center who has no idea what he's doing, and Giannis and the Bucks just ate that up, and they got right back in that game and ultimately won it. Yeah, that's that's what happened, right? Embiid was on yep. the bench during that run, and so was and Millsap was on the floor. Yep. Yeah. It's an absolute nightmare for the Sixers. So I think ultimately it, it, the Bucks are the rightful favorite. We'll see if anything else happens. And like you said, man, hey – the Kevin Durant led Nets. He could go God mode for three series, as he oh, said yeah. the other day. And we're looking at them winning the Eastern Conference. So it would be entirely shocking. But for me, Milwaukee Bucks, top of the Eastern Conference. All right, let's shift over because the Western Conference becomes more and more, I think, intriguing as it goes along. And I just made a futures bet this morning to win the Western Conference. Would you fancy a guess as to what team I bet to win the West? Memphis? At 14 to 1, not Memphis. No, at 14 to one, um, Dallas, the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah. I'm, and I, I mean, you can, what do you think of them? Cause I, the more I watch defensively, they've fallen off a little bit uh, month of March. Let me pull this up really quick. I think their defensive rating is like 113, 114. And if you looked at like the shot quality metrics, their defense was going to fall off a little bit here. But I think in that second round matchup, even against a fully healthy Memphis, I think they match up so well with the Grizzlies. And we talk about having the best player on the court. In a couple of these series, they are going to have the best player on the court in Luka Doncic. Yeah, no, they really will. That's a team that nobody's talking about, right? Even though because they're third now in the Western Conference. That's crazy. And and they should probably end up with the three seed because of what's going on in Golden State right now. Um, and, you know, it's kind of lost. And I, I watched that uh, Dallas Lakers game this week. And the broadcast crew was talking about, like, like, hold on a second here. Luca deserves MVP vote. So it's like, okay, we can't give it to 10 guys this year. So um, he's been great. I get it. But the, the job that Jason Kidd has done, um, I thought that he stunk with Milwaukee. And I didn't see this coming. But defensively, they have been tremendous. And again, just lo lost because of all these other teams. All these other players have been so great. And they were kind of like, in that four, five, six range for most of the year as the seed. In fact, like five or six almost the whole time. Never really thought about the Mavericks. But then here we are, and they're probably going to be locked into the three like we talked about. That that team, again, talk, you talk about, you know, people that you don't want to face in the playoffs. Who wants to see Luka and the way that this team is running right now? Imagine when, imagine when that team adds like another piece in a year or two, whenever that could be. And I, I'm really intrigued. So the way that the um, the way that the bracket breaks down right now, uh, they are staring directly in the face with a second round matchup against the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, which I mean, I mean, best of seven of that is going to be absolutely incredible. Oh. That's going to be. I mean, can you imagine? <laughs> I wouldn't want to turn it off for a second. That'd be oh, a two, three. must watch television. Yep. But I think what's what's really intriguing about the Dallas Mavericks, because, you know, their defense 
uh, at the beginning of the uh, calendar year, right? A lot of people were talking about it and, and rightfully so, because it was really good. They were forcing turnovers. They were suffocating teams. You, you know, you were texting me about what, two months ago, that under run that they were on. Remember? Yeah. Because every single game was going under the total because they were just playing at a slow pace. They were suffocating teams. It was great. But what I've noticed that I really like is since Spencer Dinwiddie has come over, they're running out these three guard lineups where it's Luka Doncic, Jalen Brunson, and Spencer Dinwiddie on the floor. And they're awesome. They're outscoring opponents by almost six points every 100 possessions. They have an offensive rating of 117.6. And the best part is, you know, it's it's similar to, do you remember when the Oklahoma City Thunder had Chris Paul and they were rolling out Dennis Schroeder, Chris Paul, and uh, Shea Gilders-Alexander? Oh, yeah. And they, and oh, they yeah. had three ball handlers. Yeah. And it was literally just waves of dribble penetration, kick it out to another ball handler, dribble penetration, kick it out to another dude. And they would just have defenses collapsing over and over and over again. It eventually would just lead to an open shot. And the, the Mavericks are doing the same thing. And the best part, when you have three guards out there who can handle, your turnover rate really dips. And sure enough, with those three out there, turnover rate of just 13.7%. I, I, like, I really like the formations that they're throwing out there. And the fact that these three guards who still have some size to them other than Brunson, they, that, I think that's going to cause some problems for a team like Memphis once you get into the second round. Yeah, that's a great analogy, by the way. That OKC team makes a lot of sense to compare it to this uh, squad because Shea was like coming up that year and being really, really good. And they had Paul who was like just the total orchestrator at the time. Um, Brunson is sneaky. Good man. Hell yeah, man. He's tied really quick aside. There's been rumors that like, I don't think they can afford him, but if the Clippers got a guy like him, Oh, just watch out. I mean, I, I'm, I'm really good. Me personally as a basketball fan, but as like a college basketball guy too, uh, a guy that, you know, went to college was a McDonald's all American state for, uh, what three years? I want to say Villanova. I'm glad it's working out for him in the NBA and it's kind of paying off and he's been really, really good. So um, yeah, defensively. And once Luca gets hot, my God, man, some of the threes that he's willing to take and he hits, it's just it, it, nothing. Nobody's safe. It's like 28 feet guy in his face. Okay, let's take it. Yep. It's uh it is a, it's a lot of fun watching that team a little bit. Like I've been watching a little bit more getting ready for the postseason, and they have been great to go back to that callback with um, the uh, the three-guard lineup for the Oklahoma City Thunder. I wanted to yeah. look this up really quickly. With those three on the court, they had a plus 31.4 net rating. <laughs> they, oh, were, they were so good. They were wow. so good. It also speaks to Chris Paul is probably one of the most disrespected guys out there. Like oh, no he, question. like no Remember doubt. that year they were talking about him in the same vein of like the Westbrook wall contracts that we talk about now. Yeah. And he's he's just been he's, – he's Midas. Everything he touches turns to gold. He's yeah. basketball Midas, man. Yep, absolutely. And he just, he's playing in the same era where Steph Curry played and the Warriors exist, existed. So, you know, he has nothing to show for in terms of a championship. Yep. All right. Speaking of the Warriors, that's a natural jumping off point into the next topic that I had for you. Uh, what, what do you make of Golden State? Like, what, what are we thinking here with the Warriors, even if, you know, they're expecting to get Steph Curry back, but uh, they have been a shell of themselves. A good fought, a good fight against the Phoenix Suns. But I mean, I was, I was on um, out in Hawaii. At the, um, I can't remember. Uh, Bobby Curran, I think is the show. I don't, I'm sorry, Bobby, if you're listening. Um, but you know, he asked me like, Hey, you know, they saw some fight. Right. And I was like, well, Jordan Poole's not going to throw down a, a 30 point, nearly triple double every single night. And I think that's right. what really led to that. But I, I have, I have lost faith. The more that this season has gone on for the golden state warriors injuries aside, I just, I feel less than impressed. You have Kerr coming out talking about the struggles of clay Thompson. It's like, Oh yeah, he's, you know, he's struggling. He's pushing it. I'm telling him not to do it. He knows. I just, I don't like the makeup of this team in any way whatsoever. No, I mean, we got the news about Wiseman. Um, yep. I don't know. So, you know, 
Uh, that's not good. Uh, Clay is so inconsistent. You don't know what's going to happen night in and night out. And I got to be honest, even before like this latest injury to Curry, like his, his, the year that he was having, like he turned into the MVP favorite right away because he was so good. And then after that, I mean, th like the month long slump that he had that we've never seen from him before or longer. Yep. Um, and it's strange that we're talking about that because, well, then the Draymond injury was so big. But then, you know, I think they have had a really good draft class. And I think Kaminga is going to be an absolute stud. But I, I would compare it actually to the Golden Knights in hockey, where sometimes, man, it's just not a team's year. And everybody's been waiting for these injuries to like settle down, everybody to come back. And you know what? Um, the Knights are not going to do anything this year, even if they make the playoffs. They're going to get bounced probably. If they had to take on Colorado, they would lose right away. And I kind of feel the same way right now about the Warriors. Like if we, if we get Warriors nuggets as a four or five, again, another matchup that would be must watch television, especially if some of these guys, who knows about Murray and, and Porter, but um, that would be a fun series. But after that, it's, I think it's kind of curtains for Golden State. I don't think they're going to get past the second round in the NBA playoffs. So I think you chalk it up to a throwaway year, but then do we not really have to be concerned about the future of the team? Uh, because you're just hacking on another year and another year of wear and tear to Steph mm -hmm. and to Clay, and think like it's not coming as easy as it once did for this team. And not to mention Draymond's been in the league for 10 years and he missed so much time this year. Yep. No, I agree. And like, I think, so the makeup of the team too, while, while there's talent there, I mean, just, just think about it, the way that these guys play. I mean, they don't, Curry is a point guard in title, but he's not necessarily yeah. a point guard. Draymond's right. their guy, but like I, there's, there's, who are their best shot creators outside of that? Like with the ball, who is their best shot creator? Because I mean, Poole's fine, but he's more comfortable, you know, screen coming off of screens and screaming in the right and getting in transition and hitting a pull, you pull up jumper, like all these. I think who is outside of Curry? Who's the dude who's breaking somebody down on a dribble and attacking within four feet of the basket? Because like they yeah. just don't really have it. No, and I think don't. that's that's been a reason why their offense has gotten so stagnant in some of these games. Because yep. if Curry's not running a thousand miles an hour and getting the screen and then coming back and then getting the ball, but then giving it back to Draymond, you know, doing that really nifty thing that they do with the, you know, in the corners all the time or on long along the wing, like the offense kind of breaks down from there. And I got to tell you, you know, I kind of hope for a four or five match. I, I don't think they'd beat Denver. Who are they putting on Jokic? Kavon well, Looney, I think, would be a nightmare and they lack so much size. Yeah, well, he'd kill him. I mean, Joker would go nuts in that series. Um, I think, in fact, you could not make his points, rebounds, and assists high enough for a prop bet. But I mean, again, if they're not healthy, I mean, yep. once the nuggets have to take Joker off the floor for what in the playoffs, take him off the floor for like eight minutes, mm -hmm. you know, overall, I mean, in those eight minutes and if, you know, Kerr manages it right, they can go on like a 17 2 run. You're right. Cause Facundo Campazzo running out there with that, their bench is so bad. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so I know. Oh boy. By yeah, the way, West... are you, do you have warriors fatigue? Are you done with this team? Like just as a fan of the game? No, I don't think so. Like, so that year, as you you probably famously remember, that year that they were insane and Steph Curry, uh, the highlight of that season, which they uh, ran, uh, what was it called, uh, seventy or they win seventy three games or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and he hit that that game winning shot against Oklahoma City. I was like, all right, I'm bored. Like this team is winning everything. They're ridiculous. No, I'm not burned out because like I'm a really big fan of Clay Thompson and his story to come back and potentially be a good player. I think is very much worth it. I'm a big Draymond Green fan because of the way he plays defensively. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not tired of them. I just think that well, a lot of the times when we have teams like this, we view them through the prism of the team that they were as opposed to the team that they yeah. are. 
Yeah. And I think that's that's really happened this year. It was it was strong in the MVP market for a while. It was strong in the futures market for a while. You know, I got one of my most popular tweets this season was just getting drubbed by Warriors fans after the first Phoenix game. And I was like, yeah, their offense isn't going to be good. Like, you can just see it in that fourth quarter. And they were like, you don't know what you're watching. And like, sure enough, like that's exactly what happened. Sure. I, I, like, so I like this team and they have young, intriguing talent. So I'm not tired of them by any stretch. I just... I think we got to realize the realistic probability that this team is not going to be very impactful in the postseason. I think that's well said. I'm not either for the record. I'm just asking the question. I think yeah. some people have like Warriors fatigue. It's like they they have provided me with like so many basketball memories over the last 10 years as a fan of the sport. And, you know, Curry's impact on the game has been bigger than anybody. So I don't want them to, I don't want them to fade away into the sunset at all. I hope they're competitive and hell, if they win another championship in a year or two, that'd be great. Um, so I, I, I still love watching them play. All right, really quickly, we got uh, eight minutes left before okay. we get you out of here. Um, both play-in situations. We'll start in the Western Conference. Who do you expect to make it out of the play-ins in the West? Because this has become awesome too with Paul George coming back. I mean, Minnesota, LA, and New Orleans. I guess we'll throw the Lakers and Spurs in there, but those three would be the top of the list. Man, I would say. Well, here's the thing. Like we've talked to people this week, they don't think Kawhi's coming back. No. Um, even if he did come back, like, can we really expect him to do what Paul George did in his first game returning? Right. I mean, that's like, who, who does that gone for three months and he comes back and they're down 25 and he's incredible. Yep. Do people realize how difficult that was to pull off? I mean, <laughs> again, it's like, that's, that's nuts what he did. So oh, what are you talking about? I got a tweet. He's a professional athlete. This is what you should expect. Like, okay. Yeah, of course. Um, but uh, no, that would be, I don't even know. Like, do you want you want the Lakers in? Like, could the Lakers win the play-in tournament? Could they get get into the playoffs? Because if the Lakers actually would get in as like the eight, oh my God! I mean, they're it's a runaway sweep by the Suns. Maybe it's a five-game series, but they would get annihilated. Yep. Uh, I uh, the, I do hope the Lakers make it into the play-in, just because I do think that a Clippers-Lakers play-in with a spot on the like that that would be high drama. That would be yeah. A lot that's of fun. that's very attractive. Um, I don't know what you're, you're higher on new Orleans than I am, but their schedule is weak to finish the regular season. And, you know, with Ingram healthy and McCollum going off, like he can, uh, that's a, that's a pretty good team. Don't even look at the record because their start was so bad to the season. And it's a totally different team right now. Their new starting lineup. Have you seen some of the numbers behind their, their starting lineup since they've shifted? No, incredible. So CJ McCollum at point, and then you have on the floor with them, Brandon Ingram, uh, Herb, um, Jonas Valanciunas and Jackson Hayes in the front court. They outscore opponents by 11.3 points per 100 possessions. They have an offensive rating of 120.5, and nice. they grab 37% of their missed shots. Like wow. They're, they're, they're nuts. It's just offensive rebounding, second-chance points. Like, they're really freaking good, man. Yep. And, you know, Minnesota's had a hell of a season. Um, and they have a lot of what I would still consider young talent on the team. Yep. But – it's funny to say that because Cat's been in the league now for like seven years, but he still seems so young to me. Uh, that again, a team that nobody's talking about. Could they win a first round match uh, playoff uh, series? Probably not, because they'll like you know in all likelihood take on a team like Memphis, and I think it's curtains for them early. But uh, I think I think Minnesota, obviously in that playing tournament, they they can be dangerous. They can win a couple of games. Yep, I hope so. But by the way, that would be quite the uh, the gauntlet for Memphis if they made it to a Western Conference Finals. You could potentially be talking about going through Minnesota, Dallas, and then ending up with Phoenix in the Western Conference yes. Finals. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a really tough slog to get through. Yeah, no um, kidding. 
All right, uh, Mitch Mott. Oh, Eastern Conference, you have anything to play in seems a little interesting. I thought it was Brooklyn and Charlotte. I, I, I tabbed them as my two teams. It, it sucks for Cleveland, but to have that start and ultimately not make the postseason, but I think oh, it really that's does. what's going to happen. So what I did is uh, you could bet at a spot out in town. You could bet teams to actually participate in the playing tournament. Uh, it's, a, it's a very small bet, and um, but I, I bet the Cavaliers at plus 210. Nice. Um, but I also, I'm going to have a couple of losers on the bulls. I bet the bulls at plus three ten. and I was looking at their schedule and I was like panicking because I have everything on the bulls in me, uh, from preseason, like regular season, win total over to win the central, that kind of thing. Um, so that's going to be a loser the way it looks, but, uh, the Cavaliers, they, they were put it this way. And you can't say this because every team had injuries, but if the Cavaliers remained relatively injury free this year, they could have won the central. They could have been the one seed. And now we're talking about a team that can miss the playoffs. Yep. You know, that's not that far-fetched at all. No, not at all. And teams go through injuries, but you're talking about season-ending injuries oh, from yeah. multiple players. Ricky yes. Rubio, Colin Sexton, losing Jared Allen for the se- for what seems to be the rest of the regular season. Evan Mobley right after that. I mean, you can go on and on for this team. It's, they've been snake bits. Ridiculous. Yep. yep. Mobley going to win rookie of the year? I, I still think he is, but I like I've always been I've been consistently saying the market is a little out of whack. Like he shouldn't be a four dollar favorite to win the award. It, it should be much tighter. So I've got the two tickets. I'll sit back and see what happens. I'm comfortable there, but it's I will say this, and this kind of ties into the grand scheme of things because you mentioned right, like like there's like there's only one guy who's going to win MVP. We keep bringing this up. This guy should be in the conversation. Like okay, we've talked about him. Now what? Um, but it's the same thing. Like I just I have always stressed. We need to remember that it's of the year for all of these guys. And so like a lot of people, Cade Cunningham leads the Pistons to a really strong victory over the 76ers. And people are like, see, and do we forget the 21 games that he was God awful the first month of the season, right? Like it's a season long award. So I think it's between him and Barnes and um, I think Mobley still wins it, but I think it's much tighter than the market's given it credit for. Yeah. I think that's, hold on one second here. Sorry about that. My dog's going nuts. Uh, oh, sorry. I didn't hear yeah, no, I agree with that. Uh, uh, you know, the whole year. And I agree with, uh, you know, he was minus four, he was minus $12 a couple of weeks ago. And I thought yeah. that was too strong. Yep. And that was before the injury. And it just so happens that there are multiple rookies having unbelievable seasons. And in like almost any other year, maybe Scotty Barnes wins it. But um, yeah, I just don't know if there's enough time for him to catch the attention of the voters to win it yep. or not. No, it's my grand conspiracy theory. Uh, as the year, as the years go along, guys are just going to be more and more ready to play this game because they play since they're like two and they're yeah. just, they're yep. so freaking good. All right. Tell Dex to relax. Or is it Mickey? Which one is no, it? No, it's Dex. It's yep. Dex. Tell, tell Dex, take a chill pill. We're all, all done. Right, uh, Mitch Moss, follow the money. Thanks for coming on, dude. Appreciate it. All right, man. Uh, good luck this weekend.